Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the sleepiest 30 minutes in show business. Uh, something that wasn't sleepy this past weekend were the four football games that were played over the weekend. Divisional playoff games. All four came down to the last second. All four. There were three upsets. There were three visiting team victories. And uh, it's the best of all time. There's just no two ways about it. No way around it. You know, it's so crazy. Your entire season can come down to just playing lackluster for like half a quarter. You don't even have to have have, have a bad quarter or, or half a... Uh, or a bad half, half a quarter. You, like you give up a sloppy 17 points and you're done. Kind of what the Bucks did. Uh, the Rams prevailed in the second half. They didn't. I think they only scored uh, the 10, the seven, and then the last three. But the Bucks. I mean, they made that a game. That was crazy. Uh, happy for the Rams. They've never won one in LA. They've been to two, and I and they think they were at two in St. Louis, but they won one. But as the L.A. Rams, they are 0 for 2 in Super Bowls. So I'm happy for Stafford, right? He was a lion and now a ram, kind of a perfect storm for me. I'm happy for Cincy. Burrow is the guy. He's going to do it there. Uh, whether it happens this year or not, don't know. It might. It might. And then Buffalo will get there with uh, Allen. Obviously not this year. They lost a heartbreaker yesterday, but uh, they will get there with him. Um I made a joke how the new Buffalo mascot should be just the Bills fan, Buffalo Bills fans, because there's nothing tougher than a Bills fan. Uh, They're just at this point. They've seen it all. They've been through it all over decades, over decades. Any of these four remaining teams can do it. Uh, And I'm excited. I mean, the Niners, they just went on the road twice, and I predicted they'd beat both Dallas and Green Bay, and they did. Uh, people agreed with me on Dallas, but not Green Bay. Well, they did it. Uh, I just, I don't know. I had a feeling the Niners are tough and they won the, that last game against the Rams regular season, which they're coming back next Sunday, next Sunday, a rematch from three weeks before they're good. Um, the, the, the quarterback can do just enough and the defense is ridge it, uh, they have the right psyche. Right, they're playing the right football at the right time of year. Cardinals, if we would have played the Super Bowl in early November, Cardinals probably would have been the best team. Green Bay hasn't had that. They haven't, they haven't had the eye of the tiger in a long time. Green Bay hasn't had deep season psyche in a long time. No eye of the tiger, Rock. 09, maybe. When they had Clay Matthews, A.J. Hawk, right? Uh, when they had Favre, Reggie White for, um, for that one season or whatever. Two seasons. But they've had some heartbreaking losses these last 10 years. Not like the Lions, who have no deep season tragic losses, huh? Keeping it safe. Anyway, any of those four teams could do it. I'm excited. Uh, That's a football wrap for this episode. We got a lot to get through. You ever hear me say that? We are going to make the 30 minutes today. So thank you for listening. I'm in Denver, Colorado, where uh, I got nothing done because the reason I was going was a conference that got canceled. And the conference didn't tell me or email me. Somehow everyone else found out, which means it's on me. Um, somehow everyone else knew. I'm screwed. So I, I don't know what to do here. But I'm flying back today. I was supposed to stay a couple nights. I'm flying back shortly. Um, yeah, if you're the only one that didn't figure it out, if you're the only kid in the class that didn't get the assignment done, it's on you, right? So unless there were other people that came, I don't know. But uh miscommunication all around i flew in sunday afternoon 
And I got here. I, I knew right away when the hotel clerk had that blank face when they when you say your name or your organization or the event or the person that that uh, you know that booked you for it, the the head of the um, conference, you know. And I knew it. I, I just have a weird distrust of any hotel where a reservation will go through. It, it's from years of stand-up comedy and the club handling your lodging arrangements. I, I always go in with a 50-50 chance of the reservation being there. It's unreal. Even for bigger-named guys. I go with some bigger-named names, and half the time the resi's not there. The booker or the club forgets to make the call to the hotel, or it's not decided upon that club who is going to handle your lodging. You know, they were maybe going to give you a, a, a less nicer place to stay if you're a smaller name, uh, or they left at last minute, or they're a drunk or a stoner. Bigger names can call their manager and yell at them and say, handle it, and the manager can then call the booker. Lesser names just have to wait it out. You're just I, I've spent so much time, as every comic has, of just sitting in the lobby, uh, waiting, off to the side, waiting for them to contact the club, the club to call them back, to book it, and then, okay, and now we're ready for you, like 45 minutes later, an hour later. Uh, not always a problem if they're not busy, but when they're busy, it's like, oh, man. So whenever I check in a hotel, I get ready to wait. Right? You give them your name, name of the booker, the club. You say, whoever books it every other week, when they're like, well, yeah, we don't have anything. And I'm like, well, whoever books it every other week, that's your point of contact. So you have to tell them that. You'd think they would assume that. No problem. Bill from the club handles this every week. We'll, we'll give him a call. It says it right here on the computer. We'll just give him a call. But it's never someone that smart, right? Eventually it gets worked out, but I just prepare for it not to. Um, so I know that look. I know the look coming off the face uh, and that feeling where your your gut just bottoms out. And you're like, oh, boy, I'm here for something that's not happening. Right away I was like, uh-oh, there's no conference happening. Uh, apparently the, the hotel sent an email saying the resi was canceled, but nothing came from the conference uh, as a courtesy, which I think should have happened. It would have been perfect because, you know, the, the hotel sends you stuff like the airlines does. Just too many emails where it's like, hey, have you prepared? Do you know where you're going to eat in Denver? Do you know where you're going to stay? Do you know, uh, you know what places you're going to visit? So you kind of ignore those. So I have to go back and find if they sent me one. Um, but it would have been perfect had I known in advance since it was just such an exhausting week, exhausting uh, Friday, exhausting weekend. We had our career day at my school that was just incredible, man. Then we had a formal dance um, to work on Saturday night, then an early rise on Sunday to fly out. So a little frustrating. But the positive was that career day was amazing. It felt career day was alumni from my school coming back to talk to the kids about different career choices, different paths, education, college majors, internships, um, putting the theoretical to the hands-on, right? And it felt like when I was a kid, we went to UCLA football camp. We were kids, a bunch of the players from our team went, uh, kids from all over Southern California went. And uh, we got to have a week of training with UCLA football coaches, the staff, and alumni who were pros or big time in college that came back to work with us. And it was so much fun. Um, the kids, everyone. And each player had their own team, and we played. It was just, I think it was just, what did they used to call head and helmet and shoulder pads? Half, half equipment. I, we had a term for it, I think. Nothing, nothing below the waist. I don't know if you can do that now, but um, half pads, I guess, is what we call it. Half pads. 
So anyway, that was what career day was like uh, at my school on Friday. Alumni from all walks of life coming back for one day to hold sessions on their careers and their path. It was for the students, and it really took. It really took. There were no dead spots, no boring points. You know, you got four, 400, ki- 400, 450 kids in the gym packing half, half of it, and um, which I couldn't believe that was one of the four classes because back in my day, I think you could fit the whole student body on one side. Anyway, and then you had 40 alum just uh, firing away with ideas, um, thoughts, reflections, advice, all that, going over their biggest mistakes. We were uh, able to hopefully get the students interested and inquisitive, so we weren't pulling teeth to get them to talk to alumni um, afterwards when we did Q&A. The format of the day was excellent as well. It was like broken up into three, which you really need to break those things up. So we had uh, alumni kind of in a panel form, just talking to kids, all these microphones, fielding questions a little bit. Then we had breakout sessions where they were kind of on the perimeter of the gym and each person could go, each kid could go get in line and talk to whatever alum, uh, under whatever category they were there for. And then from there, we broke off into classrooms where alumni got to, uh, two or three different alumni got to talk to uh, like 20, 25, 30 kids at a time. Smaller in some areas. Um, so it was great. The three, it really broke it up. At no point did it feel like it was lagging. And so I think we're on to something here. One kid even asked me about stand-up comedy. I tried to discourage. I tried to discourage. But he said uh, he really loves watching it. And I was like, okay. I was never a huge stand-up comedy fan, necessarily. I liked sketches, shows, movies, uh, comedic moments, comedic weird things, right? Even movies, over serious movies, drama, theater, over stand-up itself. I told him to get into sketch comedy and improv and acting at first, but he really wants stand-up. He's, he wants to fly solo. So I told him, okay, get three minutes. It's usually five, but like get three. Get three to five minutes ready, and we'll go from there. And I think he's 16, 17, so we'll see. I'll, I'll see. I mean, there's classes you can take also that, that have youngsters, so I can set them up there too. Um, you know, locally. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be a funny person. You you can be a funny writer and then just execute that writing. You don't need to be a funny person sometimes in, in comedy. You'd be surprised. I think um, you're going to find that most comedians aren't necessarily the bubbly type. The talk show, game show, host, energy, that's different. Some people do both, right? Some There's carryover spillover and overlapping but um some if you met some stand-up comics you'd be like really this guy's a stand-up so many south orange county people over the last year have been like you don't seem like a comic are are you like this on stage i'm like oh believe me i don't seem like a comic on stage as well um so we'll see if this kid starts writing some jokes uh but i kept trying to push him towards like theater and sketch just to get your legs under you because sometimes it's just, I want to be seen, I want to be up on stage. And it's like, well, no, why not do it? You know, be in a band if you can play a, an instrument, a four- or five-person band. That way you're not carrying that weight. But, and then see where you go from there. Because some people come from bands or, or whatever, and they're tired of sharing the spotlight. But, because, uh, man, you start out and you're part of a crew, it's a nice gradual way to see if you like the stage. Uh, but, again, this kid was insistent, which is necessary for stand-up comics. So we'll see. We'll see. 
Um, so Friday I was slammed all day with, it was like kind of our Super Bowl, the biggest day of the year. And it was, it paid off. It was phenomenal. And I got word late in the morning that we had just lost the great comedian, uh, Louis Anderson. Uh, he was 68. He had cancer. That's what this episode will focus on. He was 68 and he had <clears throat> excuse me, cancer and he had health issues over the years. Wait, um, clean and sober for a long time, 25 years. And he was just the best, the best guy. A, a ton of people have asked me about Bob Saget. Did you know him? What happened? A ton. I only worked with Bob one weekend years ago at the Irvine Improv. I don't really have any info on his passing. Um, Bob spoke at Rodney's tribute when Rodney Dangerfield received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was there. Saget was there. Jade Leno was there. I don't know if Louie was there for that. But Louis was a huge Rodney guy. Anyway, Saget, Leno, Rodney all did a little time. It was so funny. Obviously, the press is covering it. Jamie Masada was there from the Laugh Factory. Um, it was Rodney Starr being inducted, Hollywood Boulevard. He was 45 minutes late. Um, he made Jay Leno wait, which was funny because this is 01-ish, 0102. And I got to meet Jay that day. Nicest guy in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, right now you work with Ward Cowan. Yeah. Uh, it was a great day. I'm lucky for getting to witness that. Like looking back, you know, I should focus on those positive moments more in my life because, like, not many people were there for that. Um, I rarely have interest in celebrities, but if it's a comic, there's something different about a comedian because it's someone who wrote themselves into the world. You know, it's someone that is a social, political, human commentator, right? From Will Rogers to. Um, Mark Twain to Moms Mabley, all these people, you know, it's not necessarily a pretty face that looks good on camera, right? And I'm not talking about great actors, but but just I'm, what I'm saying is some TV and social media <clears throat> personas just are gross because there's no there's no uh, craft there, there's no skill, uh, and it just I don't know. So I don't know much about Saget. Um, he was shock comic, right? I don't love that. Uh, it did go well with the reason that we all knew him, which was Full House. You know, I guess people would come and would be shocked at how outrageous he was with his language, with his material, the content. But whatever, you know, he, he was a clean-cut guy, clean-cut image, doing blue material. Do your thing, all right? He also hosted America's Funniest Home Videos, which was on Sunday nights and probably made him as much money as Full House. Um, I didn't mind Full House. I didn't really watch America's Funniest Home Videos. Maybe once in a while you catch it on a Sunday night flipping. Uh, I did write a movie called Home Video where uh, you make, we, I made fun of. It's, it's me and a group of friends who do horrible things to get on video, to get a video on the show, America's Funniest Home Videos. Kind of a parody. So uh, I had a buddy <clears throat> who looked like Bob Saget. <coughs> we were going to have him play him, but it never happened. Um, now I guess we could make that same movie with YouTube video or Instagram or TikTok, where it's people trying to make a video that'll get them on, uh, you know, go viral. Okay, so Louis Anderson passed, and he was a friend. He was a friend. So this one I can talk about. Bob Saget I didn't know very well. Again, I just worked with him that one weekend. But um, Louis was a friend. A bunch of us were. A bunch of us comics were. Um, Brian Irwin, Ian Bag. Uh, we met on our friend's talk show we used to do. It. Ian Bag is a comedian who does crowd work. He's Canadian. He's sensational. 
he um there will never be anyone like him you have to see him live though the tv stuff and online stuff's great but seeing him live is incredible louie saw ian do shows at the comedy magic club in hermosa beach for years and he finally was like we need to do something for ian he's too talented you guys so uh we all started doing a live talk show called the ian bag show and uh we'd meet at louie's house and plan the episodes write episodes perform them at comedy magic club or the Irvine Improv, or the Friars Club of Beverly Hills, all amazing locations. Very fun time, right? Fun time in our lives. We did it for about three or four years. Uh, Louie and I became friends. Louie became friend, really good friends with Brian Irwin, um, who's the one who told me about this, about Louie's passing. Um, Louie would come to Brian's kids' birthdays, Tanner and Elliot. Uh, we'd meet Louie for lunch. You know, you'd go, go to his house, or we'd meet somewhere. Uh, he moved to Vegas, I think about 10 years ago or eight years ago. And I think I met with him once in Vegas and then would meet with him when he'd come here. It had been a few years since I'd seen him. He was from Minnesota, which says so much genuine, did clean, clever <coughs> comedy, uh, family, self-deprecating the joke about having, he, he did a joke in one of his specials about having to take a nap after your morning shower. Like you ever have to take the shower, you get up. Wake up, get up, take the shower, put clothes on, sit on your bed, and you're like, I'm ready for a nap. Because uh, I, I I used to be like that for school. I'm like, I think we all would, right? Or work, and you're like, how can I go right back to sleep? I need to be at my top. But sometimes before a football game, you yawn a lot because it's either oxygen trying to get in or out. I'm not sure. But uh, you're trying to get your body to catch up to where your mind is. Like, I'm about to take it on this other team or this show whatever uh so from louis first tonight show appearance to him on the show baskets which is a great show i think it was fx with zach and martha it's just amazing i don't know if he won an emmy for baskets but he definitely should have he plays zach's mom in the show zach's zach's twins zach calvinagas it's two characters and louis plays the parents of those two twins <clears throat> and he cross-dresses, and it's fantastic. Um, I was Louis' assistant for a stint, like a couple of months, one summer. And all we, we just talk comedy. You know, you run errands for him, stuff like that. Uh, and he and his manager and Brian Irwin and myself, were, you know, did stuff together, hung out a lot. We were helping him move once, and there was a picture or statue of Jack Benny Oh, this is a good old school story. Okay, Jack Benny was a comic. He was a comedian from mm, Depression era. No, 50s, golden age of TV, let's say. 50s um, into the 60s. He was a comic who was known for being cheap. That was one of his things, Costanza-esque. <clears throat> and he had this, <clears throat> excuse me, he had this joke about him being robbed. And the robber says, your money or your life. And Jack Benny doesn't say anything. And the robber's like, your money or your life. You know, he's on the street. He's got a gun into his ribs. And Jack Benny is still silent. Twice he's been told, your money or your life. Give me your money or I'm going to kill you. Finally, the robber says, look, your money or your life. And Jack Benny interrupts. And he's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <clears throat> so it was a great classical line by uh, Jack Benny. 
Right. Everybody, whenever you say that, comedians will know pretty much of any age. I think even this generation, people will know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they'll know that reference, unless it's like 25 and below, maybe. Uh, so Abraham, Louis's manager, says, um, Louis, where do you want this Jack Benny picture? We were, I think, in his garage or something. And Louis couldn't, he was in the other room, so he couldn't hear. And so Abraham repeated the line, like, where do you want this Jack Benny picture? Louis. Um, and I just blurted out, he's thinking, he's thinking. And you could hear a big Louis, <laughs> Louis Anderson laugh from the next room. Uh, and he just said, Keen, oh man, Keen. It just had that way of talking. So, But it was funny because it was a moment that only comedians could get and all laugh at and and uh erwin and i and uh louie were laughing and abraham you know yeah i'm yeah we all laughed at my joke this would be the only time i'm saying that people laughed at a joke of mine but it wasn't my joke it was uh obviously jack benny's our parents might have gotten it those old classic jokes you know brian erwin certainly got it he's old school he's well versed okay so louie anderson had great insight amazing wisdom he'd been through it all um you know by the time i'd met him in the early 2000s He'd been big then, probably. He'd probably been big in the late 80s, 15, 16, 17. He'd probably been big for about 17 years by that point. Uh, and he'd tell you, you know, he'd tell me not to trust anyone in the business. Don't trust too many people. Uh, you know, and he said, he told me a lot of people that, that uh, he, or he told that to a lot of people that he worked with. But he said, you know, he named some people who didn't, he didn't care for or trust who everyone thought you were a friend. People like, oh man, we thought you were pals or this or that. And it was like, there's some deep, deep seated stuff. Uh, you know, and he was, he was, I always say, don't wait for so-and-so to help your career or this manager or that manager or, or that comic or this comic. You got to go do your own thing. And he'd also, he'd watch your stand-up clips. And uh, I had a joke that did really well, but it was pretty, it was kind of crass, you know, and he'd say, you don't need that. You don't need those kind of jokes. Not in your set, not who you are. Um, but whatever, I was young and inexperienced. And I can tell you the joke. Um, it was, uh, I can tell you that off stage, I guess. But, um, you know, when you're young, you're just throwing out anything, right? But it was funny. That's not you. It's too cheap, Keen. You don't need that joke. Uh, Frank Caliendo and Jeff Richards do amazing impressions of Louis. I, I've seen Jeff's a lot. It's it's really it's really good. Um, trying to uh, where is this? Oh oh, we would he would have us. Um, where am I here? Okay, before going on stage, sometimes if we were all doing shows together, he'd have us call his cell phone while he's on stage, and he'd pretend to order a pizza from us, and he'd just keep listing toppings. <laughs> Uh, it was great, man. And he had his little cartoon, Louis World or something. Life of Louis. I don't know. It's great. But he had amazing stories about Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney gave Louis his break and so many others their break many years ago. I don't think any comics do that now. Um, people pop. Rogan helps people pop. Chelsea Handler helped people pop. I'd say those two, um, whether they intended to or not, have launched a lot of comedians careers more so than a tonight show a current tonight show or a late night talk show i think but i but but fallon's launched nate bargazzi who's i think nate nate's kind of gotten up through that avenue which is great because he's an amazing comic great guy too but uh i'm trying to think of anybody else 
That might be Fallon's guy. Kind of like Gaffigan was for Letterman. Anyway, Louis, um, Louis had a Sunday night show at the Comedy Store for a while where he was doing that, launching Young Comics. I think Nathan, I know Nathan Trenholm did it. I think Melissa McQueen did it. Celebrities would pop in. Chris Rock would show up. Uh, and it was great. They had that going for a while in the big room when nothing was going on in the big room, the main room, it's called, at the Comedy Store. There's the original, <coughs> original room, the main room, and the belly room. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I'll, I'll tell you the true measure of Louie right here. How are we doing here? Okay. We're, we're, we're almost done. I, I got some time here. Okay. We're going to break 30. The true measure of Louie, when my dad died, uh, like losing any loved one close to you, you get slammed, as anybody knows, you get slammed with phone calls, texts, emails, visits, gifts of food and time from so many people. And word had made it to Louie that my dad had passed, and he called me, and he said he lost his dad about the same age I was then. We talked. It was great. Obligatory stuff, such things, you know. But big difference, he called a second time. He called a second time. Like, I would say a week or two later, maybe even a month he followed up. Like, he knew the momentum was probably gone from all the rallying people do that first month, first week, first month, and he wanted to have a real conversation. And again, we spoke at length. Now, who does that, right? Who makes the second call? You got a shot, Rock, a second shot to fight the champion of the world. That's Rocky too. Um, but the second call, I mean, that's very significant. It was great, man. It was clear, uh, and we had more conversations after that subsequent talks forever about you know losing your father and stuff like that but that's who he was because well he knew my dad a little bit through the phone he would prank call Keen's religious goods and gifts he would call them in lake forest uh and mess with my parents a little bit asking for menorahs and yarmulkes and stuff and then, he, then he'd always close the, i'm just kidding this is louie i think they figured it out by the fifth time he did it i'm just kidding this is louie and he you know he knew their names jerry and peggy and he'd say yeah i just wanted you to tell i just wanted to remind you that you raised a great kid so that's sweet right i mean of all the things you'd like to give back to your parents for for like a, you get a louis anderson call um you get a louis anderson call uh from him uh, endorsing your son so pretty nice uh, Louie and Irwin and I and a bunch of us, Abraham, we went to karaoke one time at Amagi's on Last Chance Gulch. We had a blast. I think Ian was with us. Um, people were thrilled, you know. People knew him from different things, right? Mostly stand-up. But he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when flowers are delivered in the sister's home and she's all bitter and it's the nurse. And I think Louie's with her. And then he was the one white guy in Coming to America. He was the guy that worked at McDowell's. <laughs> He was in Quicksilver with uh, Kevin Bacon, Jamie Gertz, who I was in love with as a kid. And strangely enough, he was the host of Family Feud for a bit. So any element of society that watches that show knew him well. I watched it in the early days with Richard Dawson. It was incredible as a kid. But as I get older, I uh, evolved out of it. Some people don't. I evolved. I just got away from it. But uh, so random people would recognize him from just that show sometimes. You know, the working man, people on the streets. But uh, Edamagi singing karaoke, people lost their mind. And he was sweet, funny. He was up there after his song, and he was just talking, not even doing stand-up, just talking to people. Um, we had a mutual friend who he was partying too hard, 
and louis and i had this friend and, and his sister called and she's like yeah this is out of control i didn't know what to do he's not gonna listen to me so i called louis and i was like man he can't stop partying it's bad um i went uh you know, I told him, I was like, look, I went, along, I went along with it for a while. I, I've really uh, enjoyed myself, but I peel off from the destructive behavior. And we talked about him. And he's like, all right, I'm calling his sister, and then I'm calling him. And he did. He, you know, followed up on that. And uh, So the guy's taking it more easy, easier nowadays. I don't know. He's still going to have issues, but people are pulling for him. We'll see how it plays out. Um, it's on him at this point. But uh, that guy's seen it all, too. So Louie got clean. He stayed clean. He had a ton of siblings. You know, he wasn't going to be a shiftless white that comes from a large white northern Midwestern family and just lives a mediocre existence and, you know, you know all that stuff. He, he came west. He hit it big. He was in two of the greatest movies in the 80s. I mean, Coming to America and Ferris Bueller's Day Off were two of the big ones, right? If I work really hard someday, I could make assistant manager. I think that's his line in Coming to America. Or something like that. Assistant manager at a fast food place. After years of work. Great movie, right? McDonald's has uh, two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. But McDonald's has two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a regular bun. <laughs> They're the golden arches. We're the golden arcs. Is that what it was? Uh, so Louie lived a hell of a life. What a guy. There's so many stories. Uh, Brian Irwin reminded me of when we were over there and uh and louis was watching brian's son tanner and brian had to go to a meeting and louis and i just hung out the house with abraham and louis was uh just watching the kid you know and watching his firstborn it was like maybe a year old at the time maybe not even that now he's in high school right and Tanner, Tanner lost his lunch on Louie. He vomited. I think it was just like baby vomit. Nothing serious. That kind of cream, what is it? Uh, grits type material. Cream of wheat. Oatmealish. Okay. Louie, uh, he wasn't phased at all. It was pretty cute stuff. It was on his shirt and stuff. Um, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. You remain friends with him. He was the most accessible, famous person that I knew great on and off stage made the effort to stay in touch wasn't afraid to get real with you many people are afraid of what's real and uh you know so he moves on abraham his longtime manager pal is in florida with his family now great guy there i sent him a text i think it's going to be a private ceremony which is fine like family members either i don't know if it's la or vegas or, or minnesota um you know, since those Hollywood memorial, memorial services can be gross. Actually, Mitch Hedberg's wasn't. Mitch Hedberg's was great. Though I didn't go to the one in L.A. I went to the one in Minnesota, which is where he's from. A lot of great comics from Minnesota. Uh, you know, those those two, Mitch, um, Louie, Maria, Bamford, Nick Swartzen, um, yeah, ton of others. Tim. Harmston and uh, Mary Mack. All the, okay. Chad Daniels, my God. Okay. So, yeah, Louis was as genuine as they come. So his tribute would be different. I don't know if, well, I don't know where it would happen. But uh, anyway, great life. Thank you, Louis. Rest in peace, brother and friend. That's all for this episode, guys. Um, so thanks for listening. Subscribe so you know uh, to follow on any 
and all social media platforms, um, Keen of Comedy, K-E-A-N-E, uh, and subscribe, Keen on Things Podcast, so you know when these come out, because it's not linear. It's incongruent as all get out. Wow, we still made it to 31 minutes here, 32. All right, thank you. I love you. We'll talk.